Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Ruins of Empire. So we got a tiny problem here at Ruins of Empire HQ. Some of you might know that producer Sean helped me record this free podcast novel, but when it was done, there was nothing left for him to do but wander the world like David Carradine in Kung Fu, without as much autoerotic asphyxiation. The point is, we're ready to kick off the second season of Ruins of Empire, which means I need to get producer Sean off the road and back into the recording studio. So to help with that, I've got the second book of the Ruins of Empire series on pre-release on Kickstarter. There, you have the chance to get a signed hardback or paperback copy of Templum Venerus, or you can get Saturnius Mons and Templum Venerus together, or you can just throw a dollar in the pot. Everyone who contributes gets their name in the acknowledgement section of Templum Venerus, and will prove that people actually give a crap about this little project and producer Sean's role in it. I'm still not going to pay him, just to be clear, but I think the idea that I could might just be enough to get him to suffer through another recording session. You are listening to Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, book one of the Ruins of Empire project a serial podcast novel by Jeremy L. Jones, read by the author and Tyler Murphy. The story so far. Vago returned from the fight with Sergeant Carr and the Forced People. He brought back one of the advanced rifles they carried, and knowing that Isra had brought smuggled rifles onto the moon, confronted her. Isra claimed to be following orders, and, in the end, Vago stormed off. He made his way to the city wall where he saw an army amassing, hundreds of corporation marines, ranks of forest people, and several artillery railguns were assembling outside to destroy the city. Chapter 14 Could the corporation have prevented the war? It is a question that has been asked by students and scholars for a thousand years. It certainly had the power. What it lacked was political wisdom. The initial attack on Corporation Outpost drove its leaders to cry for revenge. Nothing short of complete victory would be acceptable. The Corporation could not have prevented the war because it did everything in its power to start it. From the Fall, The Decline and Failure of 21st Century Civilization by Martin Rath. people of the city assembled at a particular spot, just a few blocks from the courtyard with the gleaming pyramid. Isra and Althea followed the people to a metal platform beneath a huge black screen. There were monitors all over this city, but this was grander than anything they had yet come across. It was mounted on the brick wall of a building that towered over the grassy triangular space in between where two roads came together. That space was already filling up, when Isra and Althea arrived. People crowded shoulder to shoulder in front of the platform just a few meters from the base of the giant screen. Isra and Althea elbowed their way through the crowd, already watching the platform with unshakable attention. There were few soldiers around. A small division assembled on the outskirts to keep the crowd civil, Isra reasoned. But everyone was armed. Men and women idly stroked clubs as they watched the stage. A few swung bolo snares where they had the space to do so. 
Easter and Althea found a spot near the stage and stopped. Althea glanced around with a measure of discretion and leaned close. You don't think these people mean to fight, do you? I think that is the most likely scenario, said Isra, although their choice of weapons is interesting. It's the same with the soldiers, Althea added. Guess we should be thankful they don't carry anything lethal. Isra stopped in front of the stage and risked one more glance around. Yes, if I were outside the gates ready to sack this place, I would be thankful. Then Isra saw some disturbance in the crowd, like some kind of animal charging through. A big, dumb, angry animal, in a white hat to be specific. Vega pushed and shoved his way through the throng, eliciting several complaints and shouts from the people he dislocated in the process. A few gave him some dirty looks, but none showed any urge to stop him or confront him in any way. Of course, most of the population was shouting at the space just above his navel. It looks to be getting a touch out of hand here, said Vago, sauntering up. It is, said Easter. What is causing it? Vago tilted back his hat. The bands went and got himself an army, along with a few toys from Earth. Easter's eyes narrowed while she waited for him to explain what he meant. They have many rail guns. Nothing big, but enough, said Vago, responding to her glare. There was an appreciative roar from the crowd, and Isra turned back to the stage. The Houston strode up one set of stairs, just to the right, with a number of other officiants in bright garments and jewelry. He raised his hands to quiet the crowd, and began a speech in the native language. My fellow Urbanoi, servants of the Companio, and rightful rulers of Titan. The crowd erupted in approval, and the Houston waited for it to die down. Then continued, Long we have existed in peace, preserved from the enemies of the Companio by our faith and our diligence to duty. But the Companio warned of a time when the rivals would come back and claim Titan for their own. The Companio tells us that it is our duty now to stand and fight against their enemies. Vago tilted his hat back. The hell is he going on about? I hear the word Companio a lot. Don't suppose these Companio fellows would tell him to do the smart thing when it comes to those railguns? No, said Isra in a motionless monotone. The Companio are like gods to them. Gods rarely, if ever, tell people to do the smart thing. Especially when it comes to war. Isra activated the radio on her Eros computer. Kronos, are you there? Standing by, he said through her earpiece. Kronos, can you activate the screens in the city? It is possible. Why? I need to convince these people to listen to me. Having some technological backup might help. I will try. You will not be alone, the Houston continued. Look, look to the east. The sun will disappear behind Saturn at any moment. The Venganto slumber. But soon they will arise to purge this world of the outsiders. Keep faith in the Companio. Keep duty in your hearts, and we will all be rewarded. A jubilant roar from the crowd cut off the Houston's words. In some pockets, the roar was punctuated by the rhythmic slaps of clubs against palms, in others with chants that Easter couldn't quite pick out among the din. Crowd's getting a tad unruly, don't you think? said Vega. Isra activated her radio again. Kronos, any progress? 
Some, replied Kronos with a staccato tap of a keyboard in the background. It doesn't appear I can access them directly. They are connected to an external relay. Kronos, I do not have time for the specifics. Can you do it now? Not without some modification to the city's power grid. The crowd calmed enough so that Houston could get a few more words in. Go to the city gates and wait for the Venganto. They will lead you to victory. So there was nothing left to try, except something brash. There was only one chance, and that was to appeal to the sanity of the people, if there was any left. She charged forward, shoving her way to the metal platform. Somewhere behind her, Althea yelled, Isra, what are you doing? Isra shouted back, I am going to try to stop this. If that was even possible, there was enough momentum in this crowd to stop a starship. Isra charged out of the crowd and bolted up the steps to where the Houston stood. He was more surprised to see her than anything. There was, perhaps, a tiny twitch of suspicion in his eye, and a slight upturn of the mouth to suggest bemusement. She turned to the crowd, half of which were already starting to disperse for the gates. The other half watched her with the same mix of surprise. Isra took a deep breath and spoke as loud as she could in the Titanian language. Listen! You cannot fight them! There was a pause and then calls from the crowd. Isra could only pick out fragments from what the people were shouting back at her. It is our duty. The Compagnia will protect us. We must purge the outsiders. Isra tried to speak above the crowd. Please, please listen. I know the people that gather outside the gates. They have brought weapons. Weapons that you cannot fight against. Weapons that will easily destroy this city. The response from the crowd got louder and angrier. The Houston raised his hand in the air, calling for the people to settle down. Once they had, he smiled at Isra. Please, forgive, forgive our, our dear guest. guest. She, she is, is yet to experience the power of the Venganto. I have seen it, Isra snapped. I see what they did to the unarmed people outside the city. This is different. These people carry weapons like nothing you have ever seen. The Houston took a step forward so that he stood inches from the edge of the stage. The Venganto are invincible. They are the wrath of the Compagnio. They are people, countered Isra, partially addressing the Houston and part the crowd. Just like you and me. They can bleed, they can be killed, and they will fall. Just like... Several soldiers marched up the stairs on either side of the stage and surrounded her. They closed in, took her by the arm and shoulders, and led her toward the stairs. They were not forceful or aggressive in this, but something in the way they moved told Isra that they were prepared to carry her off the stage if she resisted. She struggled, but the soldiers held her firm and kept walking her away. Behind her, the Houston smiled. Let me help you, Isra cried in English. I can negotiate a truce. I can save your city. The Houston didn't pay her the slightest attention. He turned back to the crowd and raised his arms. The frenzy of the crowd reached the crescendo as he spoke again in the people's language. Go now. Meet the enemies of the Compagnia on the field of battle. Rejoice as the Venganto strikes their enemies. Honor the Compagnia with the spoils of battle. With those words, he pivoted and marched off the sage, with a cadre of dignitaries following close behind. The crowd started to disperse. The speech had accomplished what it was meant to do.
the air practically buzzed with the elation of the crowd as they marched to their deaths. Isra stepped off the stage and away from the soldiers. Althea and Vago pushed their way to where she stood. Didn't go as well as expected, huh? asked Vago. Isra brushed her hair back. I would say it went exactly as well as I expected. One does not rise to the top of the ministry by being an optimist. You mentioned some artillery being wheeled out, Vago. He nodded. Yes, ma'am. Four mini railguns. Of course, mini's a relative term. One of them could level a city like this, given enough time. And what are the chances of stopping them before that? Vago glanced in the direction of the wall. Assuming I can get behind them, pretty good. Isra nodded. Do that, then. Althea, go with him to the city gates. There will be wounded coming in by the hundreds. I want you to see what you can do for these people. Althea stammered. I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can. Good, said Isra. I am going to keep an eye on the Houston. On the off chance we can stop this war, I need to know what he plans to do. You have been listening to The Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, the first book of The Ruins of Empire Project. The Ruins of Empire podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was by Nick Martin. Music was Broken Reality by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license.